1: Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world.
0: Males are born, but men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys.
1: A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying, The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode.
0: Men in the Arena Army, We We salute salute you. you. Guys, we honor you today for grinding it out in the stress bubble of life. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Man Card Podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our goal from every episode is to call you into the arena of manhood, to call you out of the faceless, nameless, male-dominated bleachers, and to call you up to the best version of you. Because when a man gets it everyone wins hey i'm jim ramos i'm here with my good buddy the producer co-host and the backbone of the mcp mr dale Culver. how you doing man Doing good, man. It's good, good to be here. It's good to be here. We back haven't recorded for a couple weeks, saddle. so I know. I feel it's good to be back. Wow. Speaking at a men's retreat in Colorado and uh, couldn't uh, podcast, so we're here. We are a little bit rusty and rocking and rolling, baby. We, there's no rust Not on us, we're baby. a fine-tuned, honed mm. machine, baby. Mm. Hey, do you got a man word for me today? Yeah, I do. Do I get to guess it?
1: Okay, so let me give you a hint. Well, okay, go ahead. The word is in one of the titles... Of our guest book, Seth Barnes. One
0: of the titles. The word is in that. Okay, I'm gonna go with the word "broken." Oh, wow! Did I get it? That's not a man. That's well, it's right here. Yeah, okay. I, or warrior. I'm no, I know it's warrior. If it's not broken, yes. it's warrior. Yes, it's warrior. It's warrior. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's from his book. The Warriors Journal. Okay, explain yeah. warrior to me. I mean, warrior. That's like the, that's like almost so cliche as a man word, but yeah. I'll let you go for it today because it's well, in one of his books.
1: I, we've seen we've we've done uh, this this gig here for a while now with a lot of guys. Yeah, that's and true. Some of Running the, out of words. Some of the guy, you know, some of the guys you see the eye of the tiger in them. You're, they're yeah. just jacked up and they're getting it done, and you love being around those guys. And there's other guys that you just look at them and go, man, you're asleep. Yeah, And, yeah, it's, and yeah. their family's falling apart. Um, and uh, we've been in places where there's carnage everywhere you yeah. look. And it's yeah. like, it's time for men to step up and be those warriors to take back. Uh, their communities and their families and, and all that stuff. So uh, I, I felt like uh, when we were in Parker, Colorado, when you were speaking, and I remember the first night, you're like, did I give it to him a little too hard? And I'm like, no way, dude. You <laughs> you don't have very much time. Yeah. And so you need to Got bring to on wake that, them up. that warrior cry and get the
0: guys rallied. And I felt like that's what it was. Well, you know what I found as we go to these men's events around the country? A lot of guys like to talk warrior, uh, and a lot of guys that talk at the most aren't. They're trying to talk themselves into it, which is fine. But I think a lot of times this warrior talk can be a mask for somebody who's kind of a wimp. You know who I think's a
1: warrior? I was thinking of Mo. Glenn Morgan. Yeah, totally. Shout had, out to Glenn with Morgan, this kid. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, those Glenn, warriors oftentimes are
0: un- yeah. Oftentimes those warriors are uh, your unsung heroes. Mm-hmm. That get it done. So yeah, I really like that a lot, man. So well, I talked about the dichotomy. Well, I won't even go into the that, <laughs> that right now. But anyway, hey, I'm excited about our man in the arena Facebook forum for men. We're uh, growing. We hit ten thousand men in that arena in ten months. Uh, Guys, I think this is the best forum out there for Christian guys to kind of knock out what a man is. I mean, it's just been amazing. Some of the guys are getting a little rogue lately trying to post things that shouldn't be up there. We're just really trying to focus on what it means to be a man. So if you're going to post political stuff, you're going to post stuff from the healing service from your church or something, that's all great. But we're talking about manhood, and we want to keep that forum pure. Uh, Guys, go check that out. It is great. And speaking of something great— We've been getting some great reviews on iTunes. So, yeah. do you have a review from anybody that you want to give some swag to? Yeah, Scotty B
1: ninety. So, Scotty, thanks for the positive review. And uh, if you give us uh, your information, your your uh, address, I'll get you some swag out to you, buddy. So do that through Facebook, email, whatever you you can find us. Just uh, hit me up, and I'll All right. take care of you, buddy. Thanks, uh,
0: thanks a lot, Scotty. Hey, I, I, I'm excited. You know, we do. We've done almost 200 podcasts. And when, when this man decided to come on our podcast, he truly is a warrior for God's kingdom. This guy uh, is, most of our guys are, they're all changers. They're all in the arena getting it done. But this guy is literally a world changer. So I'm really excited to have Seth Barnes on our podcast. So Seth, how you doing, man?
2: Good, Jen. How are you?
0: You know what? I'm doing great, man. Thanks. I'm I need a little bit down. I switched over to decaf.
2: Because oh. my blood pressure
0: uh, two week two days ago was two hundred over one hundred, so I got to learn to calm down a little bit and drink some decaf and take I, some more Lisinopril. That was the wrapped shrimp you had, and <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit a little bit of a high anxiety weekend. So anyway, Seth is fifty years old. He is a missionary and has been so since nineteen eighty. He is the founder of Adventure in Missions with over now. Check this out. I don't know if this number has changed, Seth, but the number I have is over one hundred and ten. Thousand missionaries and forty five hundred world racers to date
2: yeah it, it's uh the number keeps ticking up, so <laughs> it's it's probably closer to double that on the number of racers that are going out,
0: well, That's I was cool. wondering about that because i I'm, I'm hearing. Stories about this world race all over the place. So 4,500 to me, I thought, that doesn't sound right. So anyway, I appreciate for that uh, for that clarification. So Seth founded Adventure and Missions in 1989. In the years since, the organization has provided opportunities for literally hundreds of thousands of young people around the world. Outside of his work uh, as CEO, Seth is a speaker, author, and prolific blogger. His blog is called Radical Living. You can find it at SethBarnes.com. He's authored four books – Maybe more, but I have four Seth, The Art of Listing Prayer, which I have in my library right now, The Warrior's Journal, which Dale used that as our man word, Revolution of the Broken Heart, which I really want to get that based on the book we're gonna talk about today, which is Kingdom Journeys. And so his accomplishments he's proudest of, is married to his wife Karen for thirty-seven years. Isn't that funny, Dale? Whenever we interview these Magnum guys, almost every guy under accomplishments writes married to my wife for this many years. Because mm-hmm. marriage is hard work, man. And it's <laughs> a great accomplishment to be married to one woman for your entire life. Man, fight what a through, huge accolade. Fight he has five fight. children. They're 35, 33, 32, 30, and 28. Four and a half grandchildren. I don't know what that means. <laughs> There's one in the, There's one in the oven. That's okay. Right. Well, yeah. DL Moody would have counted that as a as a as as a full one and an adult as a half. So, <laughs> so oh man, hey, I love this Seth. Uh, his greatest, one of his greatest accomplishments. He wrote, "I've been fortunate to make and keep a lot of friends." And the older I get, Seth, I'm about your age, man. And the older I get, the more I realize how important it is to have friends and people in your life that you care about not relationships but friendships people that yeah. actually authentically care about you and know you and i love it so Seth's mission in life is to raise up a radical generation of christ followers which he actually is doing and i, I mean i'll tell you what this ministry uh, and the world race seth is exploding right now and uh, I, i'm just excited to have you on so welcome to our show my friend
2: it's great to be here
0: Hey, I'm just going to throw you into the wolves here, but well, let's say we'll throw you in the lion's den. And I know you're an adventurer, some guy, so you're going to handle this. This is what I call our rapid fire round. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to throw you in a round, reading your blogs and your book. I just, I, I'm going to, I chose the stoic round for you. I think you're a deep thinker. And so I've you got should. five questions for you. Some of them are deeper than others. Are you ready to yeah. hit this out of the park? let's go (laughs) okay hey right now what's on your heart and why
2: Uh, my father is on my heart he's 85 he's uh in the process of dying and Mm. i'm kind of his chief caregiver and see him virtually every day and we never really had a good relationship so it's an it's an opportunity for me to press into new territory and to kind of stretch myself and there's a role, a role reversal that I never expected, where I actually, in many times, am the father and he's kind of the son, and so that's that's been very interesting.
0: Yeah, my dad's 76. I'm actually getting ready to take him on a deer hunting trip in Wyoming. It's his last his last mur- yeah. hurrah for hunting, and it's it's been hard to watch those roles reverse. Right. It's a it's an yeah. awkward transition when we age and care for our our are declining parents. And so, um, I, I feel you, man. So, Hey, who, well, who's your greatest hero and why? Well,
2: Jesus, <laughs> what else are you going to say? Oh no! Okay. I'm going to change the question. I'm going to change the
0: question. Who? A human non-Jesus answer.
2: <laughs> I, uh, Cause that's my yeah, answer too. Yeah, no, I, I'll, um, there's so many heroes. One, I, I can, I can point to as a woman, um, and it's Heidi Baker. Oh, yeah. Heidi, Heidi and Roland Baker, they just, they amaze me with what they're doing in the, uh, not only uh, in Mozambique, but around the world now. The way they yeah. raise the dead and heal the blind, have planted 10,000 churches, constantly fighting for people. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. that is true. It's God good. is using them mightily. So what, this is a tough one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What is your all-time favorite quote? Do you have one or one that's on your heart right now?
2: Yeah, what I often um, tell people is that I am uh, not a a human being having a temporary spiritual experience. I'm a spiritual being having a temporary human experience.
0: Mm. Wow, that's really good. I told you, the stoic round fits perfect. So (laughs) say
2: that again, Seth. I'm not a human being having a temporary spiritual experience. I'm a spiritual being having a temporary human experience. Man, that is really, that is
0: really powerful. That is outstanding. I, I, I'd say that's really good, but Dale always teases me for saying, that's really good. Who wrote that? He wrote. Did you write that?
2: I, I don't know if I wrote it or if I, yeah, because I think I did, but I, I probably read it somewhere. You know? so yeah. All ideas are, are usually derivative yeah, nothing that that's good. true
0: is new, and nothing that's new is true. So, yeah, that's <laughs> outstanding. So, if you could go back, and I know that you've thought about this a lot, because this is your this is your sweet spot. If you could go back and give your twenty year old self advice, what would you tell that guy?
2: Yeah, I, there's actually a book that I w- I wrote a chapter in, and uh, and that that was the question, and and the way I I told a story about a time um, when I was twenty three or so. And uh, there was a chicken. We were in the Dominican Republic, my wife and I, as missionaries. And there was a chicken that lived beneath our, it was a rooster, uh, our bedroom window. And always woke me up in the middle of the night. I hated that chicken. I wanted to kill it. And uh, so I would, like, throw rocks at it. And that would silence it for a while. But it would crow some more. And and one evening, I decided, I'm going to throw water down on that chicken. And that shut it up. But um, then we had a, um, a bunch of guests come. And... I, I went out on the ledge and threw water on it in, in the dark. I couldn't really see very well. And there was a voice that called up to me. said, why did you throw water on my grandmother? So, so I threw a bucket of water on this poor lady. And I realized you know, I wasn't a very gracious kid. I, I tended to do things very uh, spontaneously without thinking. And I, I'd probably give myself some advice about that, about grace.
0: That's good, man. So I'm gonna give you twenty thousand imaginary dollars to take your wife on a vacation. Where are you gonna go?
2: Uh we're actually doing that. I don't and it won't take twenty thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, well I know I'm being we're, extravagant. We're,
2: doing, we're in three days, we're going to Spain for two weeks and we're gonna to go to Malaga, where I've got some friends, and it's just a great town. Mm-hmm. And so we'll We'll do some things there. We'll go up to um, a place called Mijas, which is 20 minutes away where one of my mentors is and has a leadership school, and we'll hang with them for a while. Then we'll go to Bilbao, which has got an amazing culinary scene, and then we'll go hike the Camino for four or five days, and that'll oh, be our two weeks. Oh, the yeah.
0: Camino. I've hearing more and more about that. Yeah. That is, sounds like a pretty how, – how long is that trip,
2: the Camino? So it's, it's, it's the whole thing. I mean, if you're going to hike the whole Camino, you've yeah. got a month. Yeah. But we're, we're just doing the very beginning. I'm just trying to get her. I've done this four or five times with my buddies. Like I love to take my, my old friends there. It it just opens them up. What a great way to talk. I mean, the problem with hiking in America is you're always looking at somebody's butt. Yeah. You're, You're on a, you're on a narrow trail. Yeah. But the Camino, you can go two or three abreast and you can have, you know, the typical man conversations that we like. I don't like to look at people all the time. Like I'm looking at you right now in this interview. Sometimes I just like to walk <laughs> alongside somebody and think and not have to stare at their face. So I, and I've noticed a lot of guys are that way.
0: You know what? I have a friend of mine that said he had a Magnum God experience, and I think he was with you. He was just on our show a couple weeks ago, Troy Mangum. Do you know Troy? Oh, yeah. The Kindling Fire?
2: Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah.
0: Right. I'm gonna I'm going to his podcast tomorrow, actually. And he's been nice. on ours. He's a good friend. He's getting ready to go on a he's taking yeah. his whole family on a YWAM mission, the whole family.
2: Right. Right. No, he, he and I met on an epic hike up like one of the tallest, windiest mountains in the country. And uh, and then it snowed at the top and we got so disgusted with just how cold it was that in true manly form, we fled the, the top, and went down to a bar.
0: <laughs> well, better than getting a petty manny.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've never done that, and I don't think I ever will. Oh, well, hey, I think in May,
0: in May, I'm, I might go. I got to, We had a guy on our show, Don Mentor, a couple weeks ago, and he's a yeah. pastor in Flagstaff. And I'm thinking about going and doing the rim to rim of the Grand Canyon in May. So if you nice. if you're around and you want to try that out, let's do it. It's fun. Oh, you've already done it?
2: Well, not the whole thing.
0: Okay. Well, rim to what? Rim to water? What did you do?
2: Yeah, rim. Uh, mostly along the rim and um but bailing
0: yeah i'm excited yeah. so okay, well that's a great that's gonna be a great trip for you and your wife hey i want to get into our interview questions but before i do can you just take about five minutes uh, and tell our listeners uh, who you are your personal story uh, the yeah. things you enjoy hobbies anything else you'd like them to hear
2: well, uh, sure. First of all, I'm not 50. I'm 60. So thanks for the compliment, oh, but oh. yeah, yeah I, I'd love to be that, that old because the years are getting, they're ticking by faster, I think. That's what Don't it worry. Says.
0: Oh, you're what you sent us said 50, a uh, six, 50. Well, so it lied. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. I feel I better we're... now.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 I, um, you know, I grew up in a home. My dad's a, a doctor and a a Colonel in the army. And a lot of times I felt like I was a a scene in the movie, the great Santini. It was just tough. I couldn't wait to get out of uh, my parents' home. They were great parents in many respects and we have a good relationship now, but it was just time for me to leave. Yeah. Went, went to college, met some, some buddies that I've stayed uh, friends with ever since, about 10 of them. And we get together every year and we have a text thread that we're on every day you know and and that's been a solace to me as I've grown met my wife at college we got married we went to indonesia and as uh, missionaries in indonesia and later in the dominican republic really kind of learned that god's heart for the poor is something that uh, man it's threaded through scripture and there's a call on all of us to reach out to the poor and the lost and we can't escape that so that was implanted in me early on, uh, went to, to business school. I realized that if I didn't have a good education that way, that I wouldn't be able to fully express all that God wanted, uh, or and made me as a builder and he wanted to, to use me to help build things like the world race. And, uh, and so that, that took us up through about 1987. And, um, you know, then I went into ministry and we, we were having kids all along the way <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it's been a, a wonderful journey. I think my, my wife didn't so much kind of marry somebody that she knew. She married Adventure. And mm. there was all this potential of what we were were going to be. And I think just by taking risks all along the way, um, we have we've done all right. I was thinking today just about all the dreams that God's allowed me to steward and all the ways in which I just never would have guessed um that he'd trust me. And and I've been fortunate to be a part of some things that have just blown my mind along the way and I'm still I'm still engaged. I haven't you know retired to the golf links like so many of my friends and yeah. I I just love waking up guys to their potential in Christ. It's where I've been fortunate to live for you know low these many years.
0: Well, I'm writing this down. This is there's some so there's some great stuff here, man. Well, here I had a little bit of a confusion i need you to help me out with because i've never been on a world race my association's been a little bit more with ywam and so as i hear more and more about what you're doing and, and very very impressed and this is like the up-and-coming ministry to uh, young men and women. What's the difference between Adventure and Missions and World Racers, world, the World Race? What's the difference yeah, so, between the two? So,
2: yeah, Adventures and Missions is the kind of the mother organization. There's a lot of different ministries that we've got, in the same way that you know YWAM has got DTS and there's all these yeah. other ministries. So the, the World Race ministry is to—actually, uh, there's two there's a gap year ministry, which is to 18 to 21-year-olds, and then for those that are 21 and up, maybe up to 35, uh, that's, the, that's the world race proper, and that's, that's about a year. It's 11 months, 11 countries, and the idea is to take them on a journey, not, not just to you know, sightsee, you're, certainly you're serving, but it's a journey of initiation. It's a journey where God wants to show you things about his kingdom that are going to destroy your old worldview and give you a new one. And, and so it's often very hard insofar as you're experiencing brokenness. But the revelation on the other side of how he wants to dance with you, how he wants to take you into a place of intimacy is, you know, worth giving up everything for. So um, we've seen so much radical change occur. And we've just we've been privileged to see the way in which God has used this to plant the kingdom around the world.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. So I've got a good friend's daughter is on a world race right now. And then the leaders of our missions uh, ministry in our church met on a world race. Oh, yeah. and actually, he was a national in India. Huh. I don't know how that worked out. I don't know how that played <laughs> out, but they ended up getting married. They're here in, in Oregon, and they're getting ready to go back to India in a couple of years and huh. uh, start a whole nother mission, and we're going to uh, support them. And it came from the world race. Oh, that's great. And so I mean, I appreciate your humility uh, and how you're downplaying a little bit, but man, what you're what God is using you to do is a world changing impact. It's I mean, I'm just so privileged to be sitting here talking to you right now. I feel like I'm talking to another Lauren Cunningham. Oh, <laughs> give me <you> a break. <laughs> well no, make, I'm not I'm, not, I, I'm
2: not, I, I make I make messes and people clean them up. That's all.
0: Uh, well, you know, and I don't have to suck up. You're already on my show. I'm just telling you what I think. <laughs> wow. Well, hey, I want to, you know, so so the so the, the the world race proper is 11 countries in 11 yeah. months, but now the gap year, which I'm really intrigued about, right. that that to me is a sweet spot in our in our culture today. That is how is. long? How how long is that? In how many countries?
2: That's nine months. So we divide that into three countries three months in each country and we've got bases what we realized we started three or four years ago with this gap year program we realized these young people need a lot more I, I i don't know what the percentage is you may of people who really aren't fathered very well it's a very high percentage oh, yeah. maybe 43 percent. i read somewhere um don't even have a father in the home and you figure there's another 43 percent where there's an absentee father there really aren't many people that have had good fathers so we, need, we realize we probably need to double the leadership in a, in a given place. And so we, in the last year or two, have really been staffing up so that we can not just disciple them, but truly father them and give them a lot of the, the things where they, they have got um, chinks in their armor, where they maybe have not really understood what it is to be a man or to be covered by a, a father. And, um, and so it's been a revelation to me how they've responded and how the intergenerational ministry occurs.
0: Well, the great Hunt for God is an intergenerational ministry because we've recognized exact same thing you're saying and I love the gap year I've been t- talking about a gap year for 20 years as a youth pastor. Yeah. Before I knew it it was a gap even knew it was called a gap year because the message that we're telling young people today is get out of high school and go to college or get out of high school and enter the real world. And to me, both are premature
2: and oh, both, it's so broke and it's a lie on some level, right? Yeah, well, it, and, and it's just stupid, because what is the percentage? It is. Yeah. What is the percentage of young people that lose their faith in college? It's like 70 or 80%. Yeah, totally. So why would you send—you wouldn't send your child to a witch's coven, would you? I mean, you wouldn't send them—I mean, or or to a motorcycle gang, and, you know, you just wouldn't do these things. Why would you send them to some people who have a totally different set of values and say, hey, disciple my kid? That makes no sense. Well,
0: and you know what's scary, Seth? As a as a youth pastor for 26 years, what I discovered was uh, a majority of the Christian colleges are talking kids out of their faith right I don't get it. I think it's because it's academia and it's do as I do as I teach not as I do they're yeah. not putting they're not putting their life on the on the line and taking great risks and watching yep. God bail them out but there's something going on in the Christian universities I, I I was very disheartened about I don't know if that's it's still a- true.
2: It's a post-Christian society, and that's why yeah. one of my latest projects, we just went live yesterday, is to open and, and start an alternative to Christian colleges. To basically, oh. a, a school, yeah, I didn't tell you about that, but a, a school initially will be for coders, people who uh, want to grow in their capacity to program and code, but also you get discipled for two years. And so this will begin in Spain, South Africa, and Guatemala, and we'll have at the end you'll be able to earn a six figure salary'll be very selective, but we'll get to disciple you all along the way so i I'm going why wouldn't we do that for our best kids?
0: Wow, so now you had mentioned this and that's the second time I've heard it alluded to do you have bases around the world that, that yeah, train we, these world racers? yes we do
2: so our biggest base is in Africa it's called uh, a little country called Swaziland and uh-huh. uh, we're Happen to be feeding between seven and eight thousand orphans every day. There, we've got wow. close to forty different little sub bases and villages, and we um, we've got a several hundred people on staff just doing all this. We've got gardens. We've got all kinds of sustainability projects going on, and the idea is to give people a context in which to serve. And then we raise up Swazis as local leaders to go out to their neighbors and to, and to uh, share the gospel with them. So how many bases do you have around the world? We've got eight or nine bases and plans to keep developing new ones at about a rate of three a, a year.
0: And do the world racers go there for training or is this a, a base where they're at during one of their country stops?
2: Yeah, so the gap year kids will go to uh, three bases and, and and because of the need for leadership we'll focus just on those bases. The The World raised kids, the older kids, they go to many more countries. We're in over 60 countries, have over 1,000 partners. Most of them are not uh, related to us directly. We just are in partnership with them.
0: Wow. And then you live in Gainesville, Georgia. Is there a base there?
2: Yes, we have a base of a couple hundred people here.
0: And then if, if I wanted to be on your staff, do I raise my support and and, and stay there as a uh, 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 a staff person? Do I do I have to have uh, run the world race before that? Is there a prerequisite to coming on a staff?
2: No, there's you know there's DNA uh, uh-huh. that that you look for. I mean, you you talked about integrity. Well, you know, another way of looking at that is vulnerability. Can you be vulnerable and and not? Uh, be defended, and a lot of, uh, especially us older folks, we are highly defended. So yeah. those kinds of things, yeah, you're you're going to find uh, it's helpful to have gone with us on some kind of a of a trip, and and most adults and and young people as well are going to need some kind of a journey before they they start with us. Yes, they're going to need to raise support unless you happen to be an accountant uh, <laughs> or a, or a highly qualified marketer. You know, those are, are two skill sets that we uh, we just go ahead and pay for.
0: Yeah, wow, that's so impressive. So, I want to talk to you about your book, Kingdom Journeys: Rediscovering the Lost Art of S- the Lost Spiritual Discipline. But before yeah. I get into that, can you define what a kingdom journey
2: is? Yeah, so you know, it occurred to me that uh, as you study kind of the heroes of the Bible, almost every one of them, uh, whether it's Adam leaving the garden or You've got Moses leaving, and you've got Abraham leaving, and you've got David leaving. They all leave home. They all have to discover who they are away from home. Why is Uh, that? Why is that? You know, Jesus was on journey for three years himself, and and he he sent his uh, disciples out on other journeys within that journey. So in in Luke 9 and 10, we see uh him sending out uh, the, the disciples two by two. There's something that happens. He says it at the beginning, Luke 4, he says that a prophet does not have any respect in his hometown. Why is that? It's because people in your hometown like things the way they are. People in your hometown pat you on the head as you're growing up. People in your hometown do not expect you to kind of break out of the mold and do something different. And if you do, what's the next thing that they did to, to Christ after he began in Luke 4 to show who he was? They wanted to throw him off a cliff. <laughs> that's yeah. what they do in your they they do that. People will, in subtle ways, diminish you in places where uh, they don't expect you to act in new ways. And, and and as any psychologist will tell you, there's this process of individuation that's pulling away from the apron strings. We need to do it. Typically, uh, you know, you guys probably talk about initiation journeys. Yep. Young men especially need to be initiated, unless they are. In some way, familiarized with powerlessness, they will always abuse power, and we see it in our politics all the time. Well,
0: I love your story in your book about the young elephants. Yeah, you want to share that story about that and how it
2: relates to initiation? Sure. So there, there's these these young elephants, these juvenile elephants that are kind of running amok and they're tearing <laughs> up all kinds of uh, the villagers' property and they're stamping out gardens and and they need something needs to be done. Do we kill them? People thought. And then somebody came up with the idea, no, you know, what's wrong with these young elephants? They don't have a big male elephant that normally will set the pattern for how they're to behave. So they actually uh, helicoptered in this big male elephant, and he began to flap his his ears and set the standard for these young elephants. And before long, their behavior completely changed. And the trouble is we, we've got all these gangs and these urban youth that don't have – male figures to, to model after. They don't have fathers. And so what do they do? It's the same principle, but in the world of humanity. And so it's just normal. I think it's the Lord of the flies happens when yep. men, men don't step up and fulfill the roles that they should.
0: Yeah. And we, we live in a broken world uh, where there's a ton of brokenness. In fact, when I read your book uh, kingdom journeys, I walked away thinking, personally, and maybe this is what God needed to say to me, I walked away thinking this is a book more about brokenness than anything else. Did you have that theme purposely woven through?
2: Well, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's just brokenness. I think there's, uh, I outlined six stages in a process that God wants to take us through, yes. and all of us are at some point in that process, and we tend to kind of stop in brokenness. If you look at the Israelites coming out of uh, Egypt— you know, they, they kind of wallow around in brokenness for all those years. Yes. And, it, you know, it wouldn't it be better to cross the Jordan. And and so the the first step is abandonment. You have to actually leave. But that that's what gets you to brokenness, because if you're in a new place, then your old identity doesn't work. You have to redefine the... And, and that feels hard. It feels lonely often. But ultimately, if we can just put our palms out before the Lord and say, here I am, Lord, that's a place of dependence. Then he can fill our hands with his goodness, and we can discover our new identity. You know, so I, I, I think that's that's the real point. It's intimacy,
0: uh, and that's the goal of it all. I, I'm really uh, excited about that. You know, you talked about earlier in the podcast taking risks all along the way, and mm-hmm. as I, I think of taking risks, and and, I, and as you talked about leaving and abandonment, you know, that's the thing we tell young couples when they get married right, leave, quleave. And then I, I throw the word in weave, but uh, leave. And, you have to leave. You have to get away from. You have to separate yourself from. And we have a society that tells us not to do that. But Christ tells us you need to do that. I, I I'm reminded of James in the book of James. He said faith without works is dead. And he said that I think because life, where there is life, there is movement. You quoted. Yeah. You quoted John Shed in your book and he said a ship in a harbor is safe but that's not what ships are for and then later on in the book you said our society and I love this quote our society tries to level out the scary parts of what we can what can feel like a roller coaster ride is it any wonder that the default of most people is to make the journey easy better to park the car in the driveway punch your ticket at a secure job for 40 years and then retire somewhere before they ship you off to a nursing home. Period. Or not. <laughs> that or not is the you know I don't, I don't what do you ha- you know you talked about abandonment just now. And and uh-huh. this abandonment and leaving how is that flying the face of this this message in our culture that says no 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 it's not about risk. It's not about you know put your money in a CD that draws 3%. Oh man, a mutual yeah. fund 8%. Don't don't take risks. Be comfortable. How does comfort fly in the face of kingdom journeys?
2: Well, it's just, it's, it's the opposite. (laughs) I mean, our, our, uh, our society tells us, be comfortable, hedge your bets, uh, diminish risk, constantly look for the safe way. I love the, there's a, like a three or four minute um, video by Francis Chan where he's on a balance beam and he says, this is the way we try and live our lives, you know, and, and, uh, and, and he shows like, you know, we're supposed to be doing flips and everything, but then he gets down and he hugs the balance beam and he said, but this is how we end up living it. And then we get to the end of our lives and we jump by and he jumps off and he kind of does this, this standing salute. Like he just finished this great routine. Well, it's a pathetic thing. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's no way to live. And you know what? It's never actually been safer than that. We've never had fewer deaths per million people than now. We live longer. Life is more comfortable. There are more opportunities now than ever before, but we're not taking them. We don't see all that we could do in Christ. So I'm constantly like, come on, let's go. Let's, let's go break out of our comfort zones one more time.
0: I, I agree. Hey, we need to take a short break to hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that's building an army of men who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts and every man in the arena matters. So get in the game by joining our closed Facebook forum for men called The Men in the Arena. There, you'll lock arms with men from all around the world who are stepping up as their best version. What is a man? What does he do? How does he live? When does he know when he's crossed over from male to man? The lines defining manhood have become blurred, and guys today are more confused than ever. That's why I wrote The Man Card, Five Characteristics Separating Men from Boys. Guys, you're going to love this book. Go to the Great Unforgot app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. No book written defines manhood in such a way as this. I'll put the man card next to any book ever written on the topic. Yes, I believe it's that good. In the man card, I expose several myths of manhood and draw a line in the sand between men and males. This book will change your life. Guys, thank you so much for jumping into the arena with us today and championing the greatest battle of our time. Become your best version. Join the fight to change your world, because when you get it, everyone wins. Well, you know, in June, I did a 40-mile death ruck uh, in 36 hours just to see if I could do it. I'm excited about this Grand Canyon rim-to-rim. Rim. You know, as I get older, I'm not quite 60 yet, but I am 52, and there is an element as we age, it seems to be more and more difficult to take risks, and so you have to push yourself more and more to take a risk where that a young person in the gap year, they have nothing to lose there. They just have everything, but as we age... Speak to us about how important it is as we age through the thirties, forties, and fifties, sixties, and beyond to continue to take risks as men.
2: Well, uh, you, you have to say, um, how big is my comfort zone? I like to draw like a like a picture of a of a compass or a, a clock and and just a little pie chart and say, all right, so where is your comfort zone? Like, how much could God interrupt you? How much could He say, I've got a plan for your life, and I've got a a question for you to answer and a, and a problem for you to solve could he do that and, and i think what you'd find with most people over time is that comfort zone narrows to be just a thin sliver and that, there's no way to you know that is no way to to live I, I prefer to look at somebody like richard branson as a good model of how to age yeah let's let's find things that are challenging any muscle that isn't used and stretched is going to atrophy you're going to find calcification is a process that takes over. And if that's how you want to die, then great. But, uh, you know, I don't want to go that way. I try and get up every day, and I'm doing physical exercises and, and spiritual exercises as well just to stay supple. You
0: know, that's so good, man. I, one of the great evils of our day in the church is what I call planning center. <laughs> yeah. It's a computer program that scripts out your church services to the minute. And right. I remember telling a guy one time, well, what if the Holy Spirit showed up? What are you gonna do? a minute and 27 seconds? And so our churches are even scripting out their services to the minute, the big ones. Right. The big ones. So we have this planning center mentality in the church. And so you asked the question, you asked it rhetorically, how much could God interrupt you? Well, the answer in the church is zero. Right. Zero. God cannot interrupt you in the church. And so if our churches are giving that message to our people, what are our people doing as they carry that faith message into real life?
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, and and, it costs so little to just even go for a weekend on a hike or go um, hang out with somebody in an urban area and, and, and feed the homeless or just do something that's hard. Do something that feels different and see if it doesn't challenge you and open up room for God to move in your heart.
0: And do it every day. Do it all the time. Never stop doing it. Well, I'm just saying start somewhere. (laughs) I agree. No, I agree 100%. I mean, I'm just really fired up. I mean, it's so fun to talk to a guy like you who's doing world impact stuff, and you're saying things that resonate. You know, on page 46, you alluded to what you just said, and you wrote this, in every generation, every generation, humans have felt the curse, the gift of restlessness yeah. What does it mean for, you know, and I thought, what does that mean for the 35 and under generation? You know, I have a couple coming over from uh, Colorado in a couple weeks because they're doing a baby moon. You know, right. I, I hear of this concept of a gap year. So it seems like the younger generation is understanding this restlessness. Mm-hmm. Do we lose that restlessness if we go uh, long term without movement, without risk? Does that does that tend to diminish over time as we age, Seth?
2: Don't you think? I mean, I, I do. think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's like your conscience or like the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I think if you just, you know, in, in Ephesians 4.29 says, don't quench the Spirit. I think that is quenching the Spirit. Yeah. I think that it, if if you've not been interrupted, well, that what is it? what does lordship even mean? I mean, what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord? If he can't interrupt you, then he's not Lord. You're Lord. Yeah. So let's just call a spade a spade and— you know, and that's kind of where most people end up. And I don't want to park my car there. I want to keep driving it.
0: Well, and that's the scary part as Americans, we have everything. But at the yeah. same time, we have nothing. Right. And so, you know, you talked about uh, uh, in on page 63 you said, "You can't I love this quote. I love this quote. You can't be remade until you first allow yourself to be unmade." You know, this is a huge no. statement. It's like a spiritual reboot. Uh, so And then you, you go on to talk about these this kingdom journey and the stages of the kingdom journey. And so yeah. as I talk through and as I walk through and work through your book and I think of these uh, stages that I would walk through to allow myself to be unmade. And now to be unmade is not an end in itself. It's to be unmade, to be remade. And you talk right. about three things, and I know we've mentioned them a little bit, can we but I want to break them down real quick so you can walk us through them. Sure. The first one, and you mentioned this a little bit, uh, the first stage in moving on to my kingdom journey is abandonment. Can you walk us through your process there?
2: Yeah, you know, I think we start in life with a lot of dreams, and then we we uh, lose those dream, dreams, and we uh, we abandon them. And that's the wrong kind of abandonment. But uh, we attach ourselves to uh, to uh, modified dreams that are are dumbed down and in some way not God's dreams for us. If we've adopted a dream that's not not God's dream and, and we think that it's our own, often we have to, we're clutching it. God has to pry our hands off that dream so that he can give us the bigger dream. And we think, oh, this is terrible. He's doing this thing. No, no, no. He's gracious and he wants to give you something. You just have to get a different perspective. So, for example, there's a a guy, one of my good friends, uh, David Reeves is his name, and he was, uh, he had a call from God. He went to seminary, and then the seminary, you know, they kind of abused him, and he was hurt by it, and he went off, and for 30 years, he was a small businessman, and he kind of just missed the fact that he didn't get to follow his call. And then he, uh, I met him, actually, out on what we call a parent vision trip in the Dominican Republic and his daughter was on that uh, trip and invited him out. And and that's where I met Dave. And I saw him actually baptizing people in the Caribbean. I I didn't see a a small businessman. I saw a a ministry guy. I saw a man of God. And I said, hey, why don't you come hike with me on on some hikes? Um, Dave, and he did. And we went hiking with some uh, young racers before they went out on the race. And you know, Dave really got along well with them and he ministered to them and he saw himself in the light of those old dreams. And on the way home from that hike, he just cried the whole way home as he recognized, "Oh my goodness, it's not too late for me. I can still minister." And and since then he's been one of our best volunteers. He's just really amazing. And I think so often there's there's some kind of a dream that God wants to activate in all of us if our uh, if our grasp on our smaller dreams can just be loosened.
0: Yeah, and if we can let go of the tangible material things that we hold so dearly to. Right. Which may be the big problem with us as we age is we tend to accumulate wealth instead of get rid of wealth. Right. and when you accumulate wealth the risk that we are afraid of losing usually comes in the form of monetary value yeah which is that, that which is yeah which is tough so that's abandonment so now the next stage of this kingdom journey is what really resonated deeply with me and I actually sent myself an email seth Uh And I said, why do I keep thinking about brokenness? Is brokenness coming? Do I need to prepare for something? Or is God working and reminding me of brokenness? But uh, you talk about the second stage is brokenness. And you have a couple quotes I just resonated with. One says, to be transformed, you must first be broken. Another one says, sometimes you enter brokenness through a shattered dream like your friend. And then you said another one, quote, is brokenness is a reality check. Can you walk us through the stage of brokenness?
2: Yes, uh, I think in terms of relationships, and I think in terms of uh, relationships where we feel in some way diminished or betrayed, and oftentimes that's how God visits brokenness on us. Uh, it's I, I, I can remember a, a marital, um, just a tough time in my relationship with Karen. And um, as I was walking through that, and as I was getting to a place of feeling like, I have got no answers for her or for me, and, I, and, and I, I just need to hear from God, and I did hear from God, and in that place of just feeling inadequate, God showed up and said that He loved me. Hmm. Well, you know, that, if, if I didn't feel inadequate, I wouldn't have heard that He loved me. I wouldn't have been postured to hear that, and, and that made all the difference in, in my future ministry, because I needed to hear that from God in order to impart it to other people, and, and there's so many times when, relationally, I've I just, I, it, I've I've just experienced betrayal. I've been so deeply disappointed in relationships. And God uses that in my life to show me things that are broken in me. Mm. So I actually probably own something about the expectations or the way I interacted with them that precipitated our breakup. And um, you know what? I just need to be prepared to embrace that as opposed to be defended. And in that place of of kind of opening my hands before the Lord and just allowing Him to expose where I, I am not enough, but He is enough in me, I, I get to go to a new place. So
0: so would you say, excuse me, would you say brokenness is more of a cross crisis or process or is brokenness both?
2: It certainly is, is both. You, it, it takes a process to get you there. You could get there instantly in a crisis, but... To, to be able to assimilate all that God is wanting to show you it is a, inevitably a process. You have to debrief it. You have to exercise some measure of uh, creating silence where he can speak, where there's space for processing of, of what he wants to do next. So, yeah, both.
0: So now in your book you quote Henry Nouwen, and I love this quote. It says, uh, We live in, with broken bodies, broken hearts, broken minds, or broken spirits. We suffer from broken relationships. How can we live with our brokenness? Jesus invites us to embrace our brokenness as he embraced the cross and live it as part of our mission. He asks us not to reject our brokenness as a curse from God that reminds us of our sinfulness, but to accept it and put it under God's blessing for our purification and sanctification. Thus, the broken our brokenness can become our gateway to new life. Right. And we that- need...
2: We need God, right? So if we're not broken, we don't recognize that need. So, yeah, it's hard. It hurts. But at the same time, that process of recognizing I'm not enough shows us that through God, you know, we we can get some kind of victory over the issue that we're wrestling with. And so it it ends up being grace, even though it doesn't feel like it initially.
0: Yeah. And that grace leads to what you called on your third stage dependence. Yes. And so walk us through dependence.
2: I I uh, use the hand motions of of my palms out, just uh, my palms extended before the Lord. Right, I'm not clutching anything. There's nothing I'm needing to hang on to. I don't need my uh, my my retirement funds. I don't need anything to be loved by God. And if I can just get to that place, then he can begin to move. But it's, like I said, we, we do tend to go through life in a defended way, hanging on to stuff. And it, it generally takes some pain, either pain, great pain or great love to get us to unclutch and to depend.
0: Well, that's powerful. Great pain or great love to get us to unclutch. And, and as men, as we age, the longer we age, the harder, harder it is to uh, unclutch, so to speak. <laughs>
2: Well, you become kind of like uh, you know, if if you if you grip something for a really long time, you find that it's hard to open your fingers and to stretch them. You know, you, you tend to take on the posture of that clutching, the gripping, and and that's the way our hearts can be. So, yeah, we we need to unburden them. You know, it's and, really uh,
0: interesting. I I had I had this thought of as we talked about our dads and the role reversal. You know, mm-hmm. as we come to the end of our life, you see Solomon writing in the book of Ecclesiastes and just kind of reflecting on some of the things he thought were really important that aren't anymore. And as we get to the end of our life, we see our children start to care for us. And there's a, life has a way of bringing its own brokenness and humility. And the sooner we embrace it, the better we'll walk in that that uh, aspect of total dependence upon God.
2: Right. Uh, and. And, and don't just do it for yourself, do it for your kids, do it for your wife. I mean, they need you that way. So it, it's, uh, you know, we need to initiate our kids, which means to bring pain into their lives. But if we're still struggling through our own pain, if we haven't gone through the brokenness, how are we going to impart anything that might require brokenness for them. So yeah, it's, a, it's not just a selfish act. It's, it's something that uh, God wants to give to those that we love as well.
0: Oh, that's really good. Well, you. And speaking of that, you said in your book on one, page one hundred nine, if when we are experiencing brokenness or when the brokenness in our life is exposed, uh, we become we become one of two things: we become a victim, or we surrender to God's transformative power. What does that victim mentality look like with a person who's unwilling to uh, work through their brokenness?
2: I think it looks like Washington D.C. right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you. Got a lot of highly defended people, a lot of people that are caught up in a cycle of pointing the finger at somebody else. And ultimately, we stand before an audience of one. And there is no, you know, we cannot be the victim at that point. We'll get a a 360 view of our whole lives and he'll say, what do you want to show me? And so I I just, I'd prefer to stand in that posture of, of allowing him to give me that kind of eternal perspective now. And, uh, you know, life is just going to go so much better if we do that.
0: I just wrote a blog about um, uh, somebody I really care about, and I shared the gospel with this guy years ago now. And he said, you know, I am just, I don't want, I believe what you believe, but I don't want to give my life to Christ because I just don't want to make, have him make me less of a man. And so his mentality was living for Jesus is going to make me less of a man. And I had to correct him and say, listen, man, Jesus makes you more of a man. Than you'll ever be. In fact, Jesus will make you the the best version of you, a version you can never attain to apart from Jesus Christ. He doesn't make you less of a man; he makes you more of a man. But we as men are defended, right? We we say, "Oh wait, I still have to. I want to do what I want to do. I want to relinquish. I don't want to relinquish control of my life for this invisible thing that you're calling God." But that's the very thing they need to do to find the freedom in life to walk in their
2: best version. If you think about you know the uh, just the what would be the epitome of uh, society's version of a man? It might be a Delta Force soldier, Navy you know, Seal, a, a, yeah, a Navy Seal. I mean, but you know what? You ask them, um, are you able to avoid vulnerability? And they'll tell you, no. I I am at my most courageous when I'm at my most vulnerable. And anybody that would be courageous in life, anybody that would exemplify what we typically think about when we think of men, we think of of courage, is going to have to go to a place of vulnerability. So let's make friends with those things that hurt in us, and let's get to the place where we can courageously share them. That's a true man. A true man, yeah, courageous, but also recognizing that uh, I am weak, and and where I am weak, he is strong. And that's not just this this trite little Bible verse. This is a a reality that we get to walk in as we grow into the image of Christ.
0: I love what you just said. Make friends with the things that hurt. That is so good. And, you know, here's a question I have for you, Seth. You're 60 years old. I'm 52. Dale is mid-40s. How does a man continue to live with reckless abandon as he moves through we call it the stress bubble, raising your kids as he yep. moves through the stress bubble into his 50s, 60s, and 70s. How does a man practically embrace the pain?
2: I think, you know, for me, what is it, men are like waffles and women like spaghetti. Yes. You know, we, we need some some guidelines. I used to uh, say to myself, I need to be stretched in in some difficult way at least once a quarter. Like mm. every three months, I need to do things that are hard for me. So I ask myself the question, when was the last time I did something for the first time? And you know, what, what pain have I borne? Specifically, what pain of others have I borne? So uh, James one twenty seven says, um, this is true and undefiled religion. Caring for who? Widows and yep. orphans yep. in their distress. So how many widows and orphans have I cared for lately? And when we talk about widows, we're often talking about those who are divorced, single moms. What about the orphans, those that don't have dads? I mean, I I just think there's such an opportunity. There's a fatherless generation out there. Every father that's listening to this podcast right now could have 100 kids that he is a father to if he would just reach out and be available. Why not even just start with one or two? There are so many that are hungry for a dad, and there's opportunities that will just take them. Mm. How, how,
0: so give me a, give me a, a, a way to do that. So how I'm a guy, I'm sitting there, I'm going, I want to, I want to do something like that every, you said yeah. quarter, every three months, I want to do something hard. I want to, in three months from now, go and help orphans. How could I do that? What would you recommend I do there? Is there an organization that you'd recommend or a trip or?
2: No, get get in touch with me and I'll, uh, you know, I'll give a, a concierge service. I'll help you problem solve your life. You know, I, I love to activate guys, and uh, there's a way to to go. And every day, you can pray for somebody. You can touch somebody who does not have anybody fighting for them. And I think just beginning to fight for yourself. So if you haven't really fought for yourself to get free, you're going to have a hard time fighting for something somebody else. Let's start there. Let's stop believing lies. Let's start moving into hard places in our own life, and then when we're free there. We can go out, and uh, we need to begin with our kids. So if yes. if there's a div- divorce, if we haven't been present, mm-hmm. we need to fight for them next, and our wives certainly. And beyond that, then there all of the, the kids in your neighborhood that you touch. I remember when my kids were young, I used to go out and play in the, the neighborhood park, and my kids would yell when I'd come home like 5.30 or so, Dad's home! And they, all the kids would come screaming out, and I'd play these games with them. And they loved that. There were, How many other dads were there out in the park? Pushing them on the on the slide and the swings and stuff. Let's just meet them where they're at. Let's just go where kids congregate. Let's go to coffee shops. Let's hang out and start having conversations. Or just you know go with me to to Guatemala and I'll I'll give you an orphanage here. Take this orphanage. Be the dad there. You know there are all different ways that you can embrace those that need that need somebody to fight for them.
0: Do you think uh, I, I I'm going to go back to this topic of brokenness? Do you, I'm wondering. In page one nineteen, you said some people are broken, but they haven't embraced their brokenness. And then you, yeah. you went on to say, "The truth is that you are always a mess, always broken, just like the rest of us." Getting to brokenness involves coming to a greater awareness of what others can plainly see. So our brokenness is pretty obvious, but to others. But do you think that we as men tend to hide our brokenness? We're like the the the, the king who's riding through the 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 city naked, but he thinks he's got clothes on, right? You know the king absolutely no yes yeah. do, do you think that men try to cover the brokenness even though everybody else sees
2: it? Well, yeah, I mean, we're all in some small way a little embarrassed of some aspect of our life, and we, we don't want to bring that tawdry thing out for somebody to ridicule it, so mm. yeah, and you know so many guys they wrestle with pornography and nobody'll know about it because that's their hey, it only happens every so often, you know, whatever the issue is yeah. that you're hiding. Uh you're embarrassed. Well, you you need some friends that know everything about you. I've got, you know, these 10 friends from college. Uh, you know, we're we're on this text string all the time talking about our stuff. And a lot of it's about, you know, areas where we're struggling. So, get in a a group where you can have those honest conversations to start. And um and from there, I don't know, you you grow in honesty as you're able to press into truth.
0: Man, it it comes down to that, doesn't it? That that overcoming our brokenness, walking in as our best version, having the guts to, to abandon this world, to take those great risks, it really, uh, in a lot of ways, comes down to, as men, not isolating ourselves, but getting ourselves around other men who will challenge us and call us out and encourage right. us and listen to us. And it's really, you know, I, I did a message this weekend called The Men on the Roof, you know, uh, to have right. friends that will carry us when we are paralyzed by sin or by fear or by unforgiveness.
2: Right, and you say no, I that love you it. have those guys. Yeah, and, you know, and, and and there's a bunch of other guys too at various stages that I, you know, we, we hike together. I might meet them more periodically. I've got a little group of um, of guys here in Gainesville. Well, we get together. And recently, we've uh, for the last half a year or so get together and we read poetry. And, uh, and write poetry and, you know, criticize one another's poetry or encourage each other, I, you know, that's a new thing for me. And, and for me, that's bringing out uh, a new dimension of who I am.
0: Man, that's really good. Well, now, do you, you, in your book, you mention narcissism. Is narcissism a type of brokenness? What, how would you categorize narcissism in our society among men?
2: Yeah, it, it, it certainly is. We're, we're self-referential. We we tend to obsess on issues of our own need. And we're, we tend to look in the mirror far too much. We tend to, you know, uh, I, I just read where there's makeup for men that just came out. Well, good grief. I mean, there's so many needs that are more <laughs> important than that. There yeah. is not. No, I actually did read that. I, I just, really? I was like, yeah, no. It, it's yeah, it's it was called yesterday. makeup. The yeah, women use it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> I, I live in a confused place. Gender issues are a big issue around here with young people, you know, and it's just like constant stress as to how do we word this appropriately so somebody doesn't misconstrue what we really think about. That. So I don't know. I, I just think narcissism is a manifestation of self-absorption yeah. because our needs, our needs haven't been met. So let's, let's just face into what our needs are. Let's get them met legitimately by other people in, in authentic relationships, and then we can stop that nonsense and, and move on to you know some widows and orphans that need our, our real care.
0: Yeah, because when our focus is turned inward through narcissism, uh, our outward focus is basically non-existent. Because everything's right. turned towards me; I'm the center of the universe. And we yeah. need to get over ourselves real quick. And that's I think so, our men in the arena that are listening to this podcast sometimes they just need to get over themselves. Yeah. And die to themselves and live for Christ and live for others. Right. So, well, hey, Seth, one last question I want to ask before I let you go, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, The Man Card Podcast, we believe five things make a man. Protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. Which one of those
2: stands out the most in your life and why? Well, they're all important, and it begins with intimacy. If we don't have intimacy with the Father, we're not going to finish strong. So um I, but uh, you know at my age I am thinking about finishing strong. I am fin- thinking about how do I stay supple? I'm uh I've got a daughter-in-law that does yoga. So I'm you know stretching a little bit more my physical body, but how do I do that with my spirit? Yeah. And how do I uh not miss the call of God, the dream of God that he wants to give me? Uh you know that's my heart's cry. And uh, and, and for any guy who's maybe already uh, been successful I want to help them to get to the place where they're significant, where they're actually deploying all the gifts that God's given them to further his kingdom. So I, I think that's the, the soapbox I'm going to get on is, let's, <laughs> guys, we've never had more resources. And if you're a baby boomer, there's never been a more profligate generation than we, the baby boomers. We're actually, our besetting sin is profligacy. Let's start there and stop wasting the resources God's given us. Let's deploy them to build his kingdom.
0: Man, that's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. How, how, what's the website that our people can get a hold of you if they want to go on a world race or have questions? Yeah, questions?
2: You know, any as a, as a guy listening to this podcast, just go to my personal blog, SethBarnesMyName.com. And if you uh, are interested in any of the other programs that we've got, you can go to adventures.org or worldrace.org, either of those. Wow. Well, Seth, thanks so much for
0: taking the time today to share your wisdom, experience your heart for God and men in the arena and for being a man in the arena yourself. So thanks so much, man.
2: It's a pleasure. Thank you, Jim. All right. Take it easy.
0: Hey, man, you've been listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. Changing your world is the toughest thing you'll ever do, but we want to help you in your journey. Here are three, three simple steps to do that. First, enlist. Download our free app. Subscribe to the Man Card Podcast. Join the Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men. Number two, invest. Invest in our resources or any other kingdom organization resources. A lot of guys out there producing great resources, so invest in yourself. And then the third, change your world. Get involved in championing the causes you care about. Get involved in your local church. Serve in your community. Do what you need to do to be a kingdom changer. Guys, join us in building army men in the arena who are becoming the best for themselves and changing the world because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man.
1: This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger hungry to be the best version of you, then join the thousands of men around the country on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called the Man Card Weekend with the men in the arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of Jim's new book, The Man Card, Five Characteristics Separating Men from Boys. This is the best book out there that defines what a man is and does. In it, Jim combines his master storytelling abilities with his no-holds-barred style, distinguishing between men and boys. If you want to keep your man card, then pick up a copy of this life-changing book today. Simply go to the Great Hunt for God app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. Thank you for listening to this episode, The Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man.